Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. Listen, I'm so excited to be here and to just join in once again in worship with you all. I'm excited because we're kicking off a brand new teaching series here at Lighthouse Church. And, um, you know, we wanted to have some fun this December. I hope that's okay with you. Can we have fun when we come to church? And, uh, and so I'm excited to dive in. Go with me to 1 Timothy chapter 1. I'm just going to dive right in in the interest of time and make sure that we are able to fully unpack what I believe God wants to speak to us on this first week of this new series that we are in. We're starting this whole new series called Home Alone, Lost in the City. It is going to be pulling from the movie, uh, but we have a great gospel truth to unpack together here today and next week as well. I want to read from 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, and uh, just one verse, and, and then we'll dive in. Paul's the author, and he's writing to his young protege, a young man that he is discipling, whose name is Timothy. He writes to him this letter, and he says this word, these words. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. In that one phrase right there, he gives you the why behind Jesus coming into this world. I'll read it again. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Not to fill your bank account. Not to make you feel better. Not to be your emotional support friend. No, no, no. He came into this world to save sinners. Sinners, let's not sleep on that lighthouse, church. And then listen to what Paul says here at the end. He says, of whom I am the worst. And he's alluding to what he was like before Christ. So for the next few moments, I want to talk to you on this thought that I am calling the joy of Christmas. The joy of Christmas. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your presence that is here. We thank you, Lord, because from the moment that this service began, we have just felt you here in our midst. And I believe, Lord God, that there's so much that you want to do here in our time together. So now, Father, we open our hearts and our minds to receive your word. Pray, Father, that you speak to us, Lord God. And as I speak to each, uh, as I speak to this audience, Lord God, would you speak to every person in a unique and individual way today? Lord, you know what they need to hear from you. Would you come and speak it into their hearts today? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Clap your hands, everybody, and you may be seated. Let's talk about the joy of Christmas. So it is Christmas time. How many of y'all excited that Christmas time is finally here? All right. Y'all got a lot. The, the first service didn't have quite the same amount of energy. So I'm so glad that you guys have more energy around Christmas. It's officially here. I know Hobby Lobby started setting out decorations in July, but that doesn't count. Okay, that's way too early and it doesn't count. But we're in the month of December and Christmas is finally here. One of the things that I love about Christmas is the memories that come around this time of the year. And if you think back on your own childhood, I bet a lot of your memories would actually come from this time of year. I was reflecting on one of my favorite memories of Christmas, and it goes back to this one particular Christmas morning where my dad did a game of hide-and-seek with my brothers and I. So this is how it would go down in the 
Herrera household there in Chula Vista. My dad and mom, they, they had this like little unwritten rule with us that on Christmas morning, we could not open the gifts until they woke up. Now, now this was difficult because on any old Saturday morning, my dad would be up at 6 a.m., but for whatever reason on Christmas Day, he won't sleep until 9 a.m. <laughs> he was tortured to us. We're like, how does he wake up every other day but not today? So, you know, we can't open the gifts, so they cut a deal with us. They said, you guys can go check your stockings in the morning, but you can't open gifts until we wake up. So one Christmas morning, I remember my brothers and I, we go and we check our stockings, and there's a clue in the stocking. It's a little piece of paper, and it says, go check this location of the house. So we're excited. We're like, oh, this is different. You know, normally there'd be some chocolates or something like that. Or sometimes my mom, she'd put like socks in there, you know. She was like, you need this. I'm not going to give it to you under the tree, but you need this. Um, and, and so we'd go to another part of the house, and there was another clue. And then we'd go to another part of the house, and there was another clue. And then finally, I still remember the location. It says, go check the dryer in the garage. And so there we go to the dryer. We open up the dryer, and there's our, our remote control cars, one for me, James, and Jacob. And we're so excited with our remote control cars. I'm just telling you one of my favorite Christmas memories, and I say all that because I bet you right now you're already starting to think back on some of your own favorite Christmas memories. And whatever your tradition is, the truth is we all have our own memories, and we all have our own experiences, uh, but I think greater than our own personal Christmas experiences is, that re- is the reminder that every year we get to celebrate the birth of Jesus at this time of year. Now, that's the greatest experience of it all, that, that Jesus was born, and not only was he born, but he was born on purpose for a purpose, He was born on purpose for a purpose. And the joy in Christmas is that it moves us closer to his death. You got to understand that this is what Paul was saying when Paul said that Jesus came to save sinners. So so I know we've done a lot with Christmas and and we've done a lot by way of commercializing it. But but let me remind you that, that as we celebrate the birth of Jesus, it also gets us closer to the death of Jesus which in return would get us closer to the life of humanity because we weren't living until Jesus died for us. Amen, somebody? And so that's some of the stuff that that we are going to unpack in our series. Now, as I said just a minute ago, the title of our series is Home Alone. How many just love the movie Home Alone? I just love that movie. And um, my, my boys, they started watching all of the Home Alones like Thanksgiving week. They, they did not wait for December. They jumped on and they watched all six Home Alone movies. And if you're wondering, are there six? Yes, some of them were so bad we don't even count them. Like some of them were really bad. Just one and two, those are amazing. And then it just, it was downhill real fast. But, but my boys don't care because they're Herreras, they're committed. They finish, you know, they, they finish what they started. And so they watched all six of the Home Alone movies. And so I'm going to show you clips from the movies because this movie is actually going to help us preach our message today. And so before we get to our first clip, let me tee this first clip of the movie up for you all. And I want to refresh your memory about what's going on in the McAllister household. And uh, before, before I get onto it, I just want to pause and ask, what did Peter McAllister do for a living? Because that brother was a baller, right? I mean, that house, those Christmas vacations, I mean, he flew the whole family to Paris. (laughs) Ain't no way I was taking my kids to Paris with me when we went this summer. But it was like, he's taking everybody with him. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. So 
So we pick up at this part of the movie where Kevin finds out you have to pack for yourself. Now, he's never packed before. This little kid is just freaking out because mom said, go pack your bag. And so what does he do? He reaches out to his family for help. He feels completely incapable, so he asks his brothers, and he asks his sister, and he asks his cousins. And, and, and what do they say to him? They say no, but they said it like this. They said, tough luck, you're so helpless, and you are completely incompetent. Do you remember those were the words that his siblings told him? Now, I think that Kevin at that moment began to feel unseen, but beyond that, he probably started to feel unloved. And, and he was thinking that here I am in a house full of people, and I feel unseen, and I feel unloved, and nobody wants to help me. So this is when Kevin starts jumping up and down and starts yelling, when I grow up, I'm living alone, I'm living alone, I'm living alone. Do you remember that part of the movie? All right, so that's what we're going to pick up, and this movie's going to help me preach this message today. And uh, this is the scene that follows that. And I want to say, before we dive into um, the, the movie clips, I just wanted to point out one thing. Some of you probably already saw but uh, we got new windows here in the building. Shout out to you guys for your generosity as we continue to renovate the building. Now, now, the funny thing about that is we got a whole lot of light in the building today. So we weren't able to get the windows tinted because they just finished installing these bad boys on Thursday. So a lot of light's coming in. It's washing some of the picture, but I think you'll be able to see enough of it. So with that, let's dive into our first movie clip. And you're going to have to pour your own drinks. Mom, does Santa Claus have to go through customs? What time can you have to go to bed? Early. We're leaving the house at 8 a.m. on the button. I hope you're all drinking milk. I want to get rid of it. Hey, Honey, the pizza boy needs $122.50 plus tip. For pizza? 10 pizzas times 12 bucks. Frank, you got some money, don't you? Come on. Traveler's checks. Or got it, Frank. We have cash. You probably get the kind of traveler's checks that don't work in France. Did anyone order me plain cheese? Well, yeah, we did. But if you want any, somebody's going to have to barf it all up because it's gone. Fuller, go easy on the Pepsi. Get a plate. What is the matter with you? He started it. He ate my pizza on purpose. He knows I ate sausage and olives and Look what you did, you little jerk. Kevin, get upstairs right now. Why? Kevin, you're such a disease. Shut up. Kevin, upstairs. Say goodnight, Kevin. Goodnight, Kevin. Now it's for brothers such like we don't know. Why do always get treated like skunk? Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. This house is just crazy. We've got all these extra kids running around. My brother-in-law drove in from Ohio today. It's just nuts. How come we didn't bring more cheese pizzas? Nice tip. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Having a reunion or something? Oh, no, my husband's brother transferred to Paris last summer, and both of his kids are still going to school here, and I guess he missed the whole family. He's giving us all this trip to Paris for the holiday so we can be together. 
You're taking a trip to Paris. Yes, we hope to leave tomorrow morning. Excellent, excellent. If you'll excuse me, this one's a little out of sorts. I'll be right back. Don't worry about me. I spoke to your husband already. And don't worry about your home. It's in good hands. There are 15 people in this house. You're the only one who has to make trouble. I'm the only one getting dumped up. You're the only one acting up. Now, get upstairs. I am upstairs, dummy. Third floor? Go. It's scary up there. Don't be silly. Fuller will be up in a little while. I don't want a super fuller. You know about him. He wets the bed. He'll pee all over me. I know it. Fine. We'll put him somewhere else. I'm sorry. It's too late. Get upstairs. Everyone in this family hates me. Then maybe you should ask Santa for a new family. I don't want a new family. I don't want any family. Families suck. Just stay up there. I don't want to see you again for the rest of the night. I don't want to see you again for the rest of my whole life. And I don't want to see anybody else either. I hope you don't mean that. You'd feel pretty sad if you woke up tomorrow morning and you didn't have a family. No, I wouldn't. Then say it again. Maybe it'll happen. I hope I never see any jerks again. And so we know what happens next, right? Kevin's family wakes up, they leave him all alone, and he gets everything that he wants. He gets everything that he wanted. He is alone. And, and you guys remember what would happen next in the movie? He starts living it up for a while, doesn't he? He's going and uh, eating all the food that he wants to eat. He's ordering all the cheese pizza without anybody eating his cheese pizza. There's a scene in the movie where he's jumping up and down on his mom's bed with his tennis shoes on. And Kevin is finally getting all the freedom that he always wanted. But what, of this, but what does all of this freedom really represent to Kevin? And what does it really represent here in the gospel story? But what it really represents is sin. It represents doing it your way rather than doing it God's way. And, and here's the thing about sin. Sin has an allure to it. Sin is tempting. Sin is attractive. And it's okay to agree with that statement, all you saved, saved Christians in the room. I know sometimes we think, no, absolutely not. No, no, hold on a second. It wouldn't be temptation if it wasn't attractive. But, but sin is attractive. Sin is alluring. And so when Kevin was in conflict with his family, the thing that he really wanted most was for them to go away. That was his greatest desire to be alone. And so the allure of sin got him out of step with the ones that loved him the most. And that's exactly what sin will do. Sin will get you out of step with people who actually really love you. Sin will get you out of step with people who care for you more than anyone else here in this world. And I think we're all battling with some sort of temptation in our life if we're being honest with each other. We're all battling something. We're all dealing with things that are trying to get our attention that if we gave into those things would get us out of step, first and foremost with God, and second with the people that love us the most. And that's exactly the trick and the temptation of sin. And we all wrestle with it. Look at your neighbor and tell them we all wrestle with it. Would you do that? Because I know sometimes we need that reminder. We all wrestle with it. We all wrestle with it. Paul said it this way in his letter to the Romans. He said, you know the story of how Adam landed us in the dilemma we're in? First sin, then death, 
and no one exempt from either sin or death. Sin disturbed relations with God in everything and everyone. So what begins as temptation turns into sin, and then as, if we continue down a path of sin, it eventually takes us down a path of death. And, 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 th- and, and this is why, and then this is why Paul's writing to the church to warn them that, that we got to fight against the allure of sin. And he's letting them know we, we're all going to have to deal with it, and, and none of us is exempt from it. So let me toss it back to the movie for just a second. Kevin thinks that he's better off alone. That's the sin that he was battling with. But then he learns the hard truth. When he was alone, all of a sudden the bad guys show up. Now, in this movie, it's Marvin Harry. But in our lives, when we do give in to sin, eventually things start showing up that you didn't know were going to show up when you first said yes to that sin. How many of you are tracking with me so far? Things start to show up, which are the unintended consequences of sin in our life. And I think it's just uh, uh, the, the, the movie begins to paint this really great analogy that you might be thinking you're having freedom. You might think you're having fun when you give in to sin, but stay there long enough and you realize you didn't intend on getting here. You didn't intend on going here. You didn't think that by giving in, this is the place that I would find myself in. So Kevin is now somewhere he didn't anticipate being in, and he's dealing with an enemy that he didn't realize he would be facing. Let me share with you this quote about sin. Sin will take you farther than you ever intended to go. It will cost you more than you ever expected to pay, and it will keep you longer than you ever intended to stay. And I, I say that as a, as a bit of a warning, but, but out of a, a warning out of love for you all, that, that, that we would be we would be reminded of the very real consequences of sin. And when we say yes to sin, Paul says that it's going to disturb our relationship with God, but then it's also going to disrupt our relationship with every one. Now, some of y'all been there before. Some of y'all know exactly what I'm talking about because God came into your life and he rescued you from a life of sin. As a matter of fact, I'm going to give a few moments for some of y'all that might have been there in the past, but now you're walking in Christ to just give him a praise break for just a moment and say, you know what? That was me. I was there, but he brought me out of that lifestyle. And, 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 and here's, the, here's the thing. All of you that, that just shouted for a second and, 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 and had a little moment of praise you know that someone was probably trying to stop you from going down that path. Am I right? There was people in your life that people God was sending into your life to say, listen, don't go down that path. Don't continue to go down that path. Because if you go down that path, you are going to go, you're going to encounter much more than you really thought you were going to encounter. So eventually, this is all too much for Kevin. And we're going to catch up with Kevin after he's kind of lived his life. Um, away from his parents. He's, he's had a whole bunch of fun, and now he's beginning to deal with the regret of giving in to that sin. So here's our next scene. I got a little sister last year. This year, I'd rather have some clay dough. I didn't mean it. If you come back, I'll never be a pain in the butt again. I promise. Good night.
Sanada, what does this scene really show us and what does it represent? Can you all say repentance? It represents repentance. Because after going about it his way, he realized that he wanted to change things and go in another direction. And as a matter of fact, that's what repentance really means. It means I've been going in one way and I want to change the way I've been going and go in a different direction. 1 John 1.9 says this, that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. You see, repentance involves genuine remorse for our actions. And didn't Kevin look so remorseful in that moment and so genuine? I mean, he's not just kissing his family picture. He's sleeping in mom and dad's bed. That's how he's so remorseful for where he's at. But it's not just the remorse, uh, um, but there has to be a desire to change. That, that's a key ingredient to repentance. It's not just that you're sorry about what happened, but, but you want to start going in another direction. You want to start living life headed in a new direction. And in order to do that, I want to give you two key ingredients of repentance. Number one is confession. We need to confess. Repentance is going to lead us to the point where we confess because if there is no confession, if there is no calling out the things that we are turning our back towards, then there really is no healing. There is no healing. You see, we, we go to God and we confess to God for salvation, but the Bible says that we confess our sins to one another for healing. James, the brother of Jesus, said that. He says, confess your faults one to another so that we may be healed. So, so true healing doesn't happen until we can, within the context of the community that God has placed us in, be able to confess the things that we've been doing and that have been damaging our relationship with Christ and making the move now. So, so you confess, and then number two, you receive forgiveness. Can you all say receive that word is so powerful, Lighthouse Church, and the reason it is powerful is because there is nothing you can do to earn forgiveness. You can only receive forgiveness. You see, contrary to what maybe some of you were told growing up and, and contrary to maybe what you might have heard about God, there's nothing that you earn in him. There's nothing you could do to twist the arm of God and to make him do anything for you. All we can do is receive what Jesus has already done for us. And, and what, what, what I want to free some of you all free from, what I want to get you out of is this mindset that you've made so many mistakes that there's no way that God could ever forgive you. Or that you, you, you prayed about it, but, but you're still living as if that thing that God freed you from still has authority over you. But how many know that once you cry out to God for forgiveness and when you receive your forgiveness, you have permission to live a whole new life, Lighthouse Church. You have the permission to live like a son or daughter of God who's been forgiven and is now free and the things that used to hold you back don't hold you back anymore because the Bible says he who the son has set free is free indeed. How many of y'all thankful that you are free indeed? And so we have to not just confess, but receive your forgiveness. When you receive your forgiveness, it, it's, it's going to lift the weight of shame off of your shoulders. It's going to lift the weight of guilt off of your shoulders because you've repented. And now the freedom that is in Christ has now been applied to 
your life. Now I'm going to take you to our, our last clip and then take you into our conclusion. But we've got one more clip where um, Kevin has already been experienced freedom, realizing it's not all it's cracked up to be. And so he's repented and he wants to make the change. And that brings us to the last part in our movie scene. Christmas. May I sit down? That's my granddaughter up there. The little red-haired girl. She's about your age. You know her? No. You live next to me, don't you? You can say hello when you see me. You don't have to be afraid. There's a lot of things going around about me, but none of it's true. Okay? Been a good boy this year? I think so. You swear to it? No. Yeah, I had a feeling. Well, this is the place to be if you're feeling bad about yourself. It is? I think so. Are you feeling bad about yourself? No. I've been kind of a pain lately. I said some things I shouldn't have. I really haven't been too good this year. Yeah. I'm kind of upset about it because I really like my family. Even though sometimes I say I don't. Sometimes I even think I don't. Do you get that? I think so. How you feel about your family is a complicated thing. Especially with an older brother. Deep down, you always love him. But you can forget that you love them. And you can hurt them and they can hurt you. And that's not just because you're young. You want to know the real reason why I'm here right now? 
Sure. Came to hear my granddaughter sing. And I can't come and hear her tonight. You got plans? No. I'm not welcome. At church? Oh, you're always welcome at church. I'm not welcome with my son. Years back, before you and your family moved on the block, I had an argument with my son. How old is he? Well, he's grown up. We lost our tempers. And I said I didn't care to see him anymore. He said the same. And we haven't spoken to each other since. If you miss him, why don't you call him? I'm afraid if I call him, he won't talk to me. How do you know? I don't know. I'm just afraid he won't. No offense, but aren't you a little old to be afraid? You can be a little old for a lot of things. You're never too old to be afraid. That's true. I've always been afraid of our basement. It's dark, there's weird stuff down there, and it smells funny, that sort of thing. It's bothered me for years. Yeah, basements are like that. Then I made myself go down there to do some laundry, and I found out it's not so bad. All this time I've been worrying about it, but if you turn on the lights, it's no big deal. What's your point? My point is you should call your son. What if he won't talk to me? At least you'll know. Then you can stop worrying about it, and he won't have to be afraid anymore. I don't care how mad I was, I talked to my dad, especially around the holidays. I don't know. Just give it a shot, for your granddaughter anyway. I'm sure she misses you, and the presents. I sent her a check. Wish my grandparents said that. They always send me clothes. Last year I got a sweater with a big bird knitted on it. Oh, that's nice. Not for a guy in the second grade. You can get beat up for wearing something like that. Oh? Yeah. I have a friend who got nailed because there was a rumor he wore dinosaur pajamas. You better run along home where you belong. You think about what I said, all right? Okay. It's nice talking to you. Nice talking to you. Probably didn't realize there was so much church in Home Alone when you watched it the first time, did you? So Marley says this great line there. He says, everyone is welcome at church. And in this last scene, and I'm coming to a close now. In this last scene, this scene represents where Kevin gets saved. Him and old man Marley are having this great conversation, and they're both now overcoming each of the things that have been holding them back. And he, he's able to now come to grips with his family, and, and he gets the strength that he needs to go and overcome the the, the, the bad guys that he's going to have to deal with in the last uh, part of the movie. And I, I love this part, and, and, it, it, it's, it, I, and I, I want to read one more verse to you in Romans that I think ties all of this in together. Romans 5, 8 through 9, it says this, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Remember the very first verse we read together with the start of our sermon is, that Christ came to save sinners. And, and here's Paul saying this now in another letter. He says that Christ died for us since we have now been justified by his blood. Let me just stop there. How, how do we become justified? How do we become made right? Well, this is when we receive that forgiveness that we just talked about. So when we repent and when we re receive the forgiveness of Christ, we now are 
justified by his blood. And, and this is a beautiful thing, Lighthouse Church, for all of you that are here and maybe have not yet entered into a relationship with the Lord. Let me hear, let, let me be the one to tell you. And then for some of you, Lighthouse, I need for you to also be the ones to tell your friends and family that salvation is available for them. All they have to do is make a decision to receive it. When we receive forgiveness, we are now justified by what Jesus has already done for us. And there's nothing that we can do to add to what Jesus has already done. He's already paid the bill. The debt's already been paid, and we all, all we have to do is receive what he's done for us. So when we've been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved? Can you all say saved? saved from God's wrath through him. Who is him? Jesus. Jesus, the the reason for the season. Jesus, the greatest person that ever lived on this earth. Jesus, fully God and yet fully man. Jesus, who has absolutely made a greater impact on all of humanity than any other person who has ever lived. Lighthouse Church, the reason I wanted to talk to you about sin, repentance, and salvation. The reason I wanted to talk about the gospel here this morning is simply this. I think that so many of us just completely lose sight of what's most important in the month of December. I think that the month of December, which should be celebrating the birth of the greatest person who ever lived, is hijacked by commercialism. It is is hijacked by many things that have nothing to do with Jesus. And and, and I I think we got to celebrate and have fun and make memories and do all of that. Absolutely. But that all comes after first understanding why we celebrate to begin with. It's all about Jesus. It's all about his birth. It's all about his life and what it does for us. What what is... uh, what is more concerning about Christmas is it, there, was a, there was a day and time when growing up I would hear, hey, don't, don't be overcome by all the commercialism that is involved in Christmas. It's even gotten worse because now so many people lose their peace of mind during this time of month. It doesn't just, I mean, at first they were just losing their money. Now they're losing their peace. Now they're losing their joy. Now, people deal with anxiety and depression at this time of the year at a time of the year when we should be celebrating. And and what I love about this season is it's not just the birth, but as we look to his birth and that that, that was the first coming of Jesus, that we we would with anticipation look forward to the second coming of Jesus. Because I don't know if you know this, but he's coming back again. I said he's coming back again. And so Christmas is not just thinking about the first time he came But we celebrate the first time he came knowing that he's going to do it again. See, there was a day where people anticipated his arrival, and then he came. But that anticipation doesn't die. That that anticipation is heightened because we know he's coming back again. And so my prayer for you right now is, if you did not know all of that was connected to the birth of Jesus, that you would hear that today. And my hope for anyone right now is if you've not yet accepted Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, that today would be the day that you would make that decision to follow him. That, that maybe you've gone down a path where you've said yes to some things that you thought were going to bring you fulfillment in your life and all you have is regret. Let me tell you that repentance is available today. 
And here's the better news. Let me tell you that forgiveness is available today. And that if you confess your sins to God, he's going to come and he's going to bring forgiveness into your life today. And if you would receive it, I promise you, Lighthouse Church, if there's anyone here just battling, should I today make this decision to follow him? I'm going to just guarantee this one thing. You confess and you make a decision to follow Jesus, you are going to walk out of here with the weight lifted off of your shoulders because that's what he does every time that he comes. He's going to alleviate so many things from your life and you're going to begin to experience the life that he always intended for you to live. Let me pray for you right there where you're at. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord God, for your goodness. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.